0: You're going to love this. Just love it.
1: We'll see. Yes, we will see. Stuck in the middle with you from beautiful Los Angeles, California. This is your broadcast on KPFK Pacifica Radio, 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. FM, KYAQ on the Oregon Central Coast, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org, on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on your smart devices, on iTunes, on the Progressive Voices channel, on Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation. Yeah, you can run, but you can't hide. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, Troublemaker and muckraker from bradblog.com. Glad you could join us today. As usual, another big day, another big big news week. Uh, Last week we had, uh, was it Ted Cruz? Ted Cruz jumped in the uh, 2016 race last week. This week it seems to be Rand Paul's turn. He offered a spirited announcement that he was getting in the race. That's a shock. What a surprise. Who saw it coming? Uh, that he was getting in the race on Tuesday. One of his uh, big proposals, by the way, right out of the block, uh, a balanced budget amendment and term limits on Congress. Unclear what his father, Rand Paul, who served 12 terms in Congress... Unclear what he had to say about that. Yes, 12 terms uh, Ron Paul uh, had served in Congress uh, anyway. So that's underway. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm I don't know. I'm having trouble getting into this 2016 uh, presidential. race. It all seems uh, it all seems too early. It seems uh, it's, it's just hard for me. Desi, do you care? Desi Doyen, uh, our producer. Uh, are you are you interested in this race? so far? <laughs>
2: Not really. Not really? <laughs> Not yet. And I'm sure we're all going to be thoroughly sick of it before yeah. 2016 even gets here.
1: So it's a, a, a crazy clown car is starting to fill up. I suspect we'll be talking about that clown car a whole lot more in the uh, days, weeks and months ahead. Is uh, is climate action the new marriage equality and is climate change denial and specifically Some recent statements by Senate Republican Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, an issue of morality, or I guess in this case, an issue of immorality. Uh, We will talk momentarily with former Clinton administration assistant secretary of energy Joe Rome about that and much more. We've got some new developments this week on a new Republican anti-voting scheme in the state of Ohio, of course, Uh, We talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago. We've got a new development there. It is mostly good news, I think, probably, maybe, sort of. Well, in any event, uh, Democrats in Ohio seem to think it's good news. I'm not so sure I uh, agree. We'll find out. Uh, Also, Jeb Bush may have committed a felony. We'll talk about that. Is legalized marijuana coming to California? One top elected official is now getting on board for that, so smoke them if you got them. Also, Desi Doyen and the Green News Report will be joining us a little bit later. As usual, as Shell Oil is returning to the Arctic to try and drill again after their comedy of errors back in 2012 when they were trying to do the same. Global warming deniers at the American Legislative Exchange Council, or ALEC, are now threatening lawsuits against groups who call them global warming deniers. Um, Oops, I think I just called them global warming deniers. Oh, well, sue me. Also, fracking and earthquake politics and chicanery in Kansas, Texas, and Oklahoma— Plus, Obama announces a program to put vets to work installing solar across this great land. I think that's a great idea. We will talk about it in the Green News Report coming up in a little bit. All of that and more. But first, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, this Iran situation, the, the, the letter that had been sent by these 47 Republican senators to Iran to try to undermine this international treaty. Which is kind of amazing to me. I think it's kind of amazing to a lot of people because generally, you know, in this country, while we had a lot of, uh, you know, we always had divisiveness between the parties on um, domestic issues. When it came to foreign affairs and international treaties, generally the parties kind of uh, agreed with each other and worked together on foreign policy. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's not so good. Uh, when a president like uh, Barack Obama comes in and kind of uh, continues a lot of George Bush's foreign policies. But this letter that was sent uh, uh, to Iran or this open letter that was published specifically attempting to undermine an active negotiation process that is going on between U.S., not just U.S. and Iran, but U.S., Iran, uh, France, Germany... Uh, Russia, China, Great Britain and to have these guys you know, essentially say, hey Iran, don't take the deal we're going to change it, once we get a new president we're not going to honor it that was remarkable to me well, it seems like it wasn't only a one-off case it seems we're seeing much more of this uh, and in this case, it has to do with the upcoming UN Climate Summit in, uh, in Paris a little bit later this year And the Senate Republican Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has put out a statement on that, trying to undermine the negotiations that will be going on in December. This statement from uh, Mitch McConnell says, quote, even if the job killing and likely illegal clean power plan were fully implemented, The United States could not meet the targets laid out in this proposed new plan, considering that two-thirds of the U.S. federal government hasn't even signed off on the Clean Power Plan and 13 states have already pledged to fight it. Our international partners should proceed with caution before entering into a binding, unattainable deal. It's remarkable. He's simply, this is Mitch McConnell, majority leader in the U.S. Senate, trying to undermine not just the president, but the entire deal, the entire deal that uh, our planet's future may very well hang on. I think it's incredible. And I think, frankly, it's immoral. So the question comes up, is climate action the new marriage equality? Is it now a moral issue? Joe Rome at Climate Progress argues that it is, or at least that it must be, in his new piece, Boycotting States, the Future for, for Climate Activism, he writes, The next great moral imperative is the fight to preserve a livable climate for our children and future generations. For progressives to win this fight and the fate of literally billions of people hangs, hangs in the balance, we'll have to match the state-level success that the LGBT community and its allies recently showed in changing a discriminatory law in Indiana. Conservative political leaders and their polluting funders have declared their intention to do everything possible to seize control of state governments in 2016 and block climate action. The Koch brothers have pledged to raise an unprecedented $889 million just for this election cycle. And Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has not merely urged states to ignore the law's requirements for them to put forward a state implementation plan to meet new EPA standards, Under the Clean Power Plan, in one of the most shocking statements ever issued by any U.S. political leader, McConnell actually admitted publicly that his goal is to stop a global deal to avert catastrophic climate change, writes Joe Rome. Joining us now is Joe Rome, a fellow at American Progress and the editor of ClimateProgress.org. Which Time Magazine named as uh, one of 25 best blogs of 2010, and by the way, it's still good. Uh, Rome was acting Secretary of Energy for Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy in 1997 during the Bill Clinton administration, where he oversaw one billion in R and D demonstration and deployment of low carbon technology. He's also a senior fellow at American Progress, holds a Ph.D. in physics from MIT, so he, unlike me, knows what he's talking about. Hey, Joe, welcome back to the broadcast, my friend.
0: Uh, Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, Great to have you here. Okay, Um, so you described this statement from Mitch McConnell as one of the most shocking statements ever issued by any U.S. political leader. Why do you see that statement as shocking?
0: Well, I think that most people around the world view climate change and in the United States view climate change as as a serious threat uh, but but you know altogether preventable mm-hmm. if the nations of the world work together to to fight it and you know for a very long time the the main opposition argument to you know things like the Kyoto protocol mm-hmm. and previous agreements was well they didn't involve China they didn't involve all the nations of the world right um but you know, we now learn that 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 was just a you know a, a, a cover story. They just don't want us to solve this problem, and that that is shocking because uh, when you understand mm-hmm. uh, the the science behind it, and and you know the science has gotten more uh, dire and alarming in recent years, and and the you know the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report uh, of the last twelve months. Has been incredibly blunt mm-hmm. for scientists and you know for politicians who sign off on it um, as to what we face if we you know don't strike some sort of international deal. So you know I know you were you were doing a, something on the uh, the Iran letter, mm-hmm. which you know obviously shocking in its own way. But I won't. I don't want to say one can understand it, but but. You know the the Iran situation is 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 quite small compared to uh, you know let's say destroying a livable climate uh, that will affect billions of people for literally centuries. Uh, you know it's it's a whole nother scale. I'm not saying the Iran situation isn't serious. I'm just saying that that you know climate change uh, uh, to actually be going out of your way to try to you know interfere yeah. with what what appear to be you know negotiations international negotiations that mm-hmm. are moving somewhere i mean you know the president got a major commitment from china that i think nobody thought he would get that they would they would peak uh, in in carbon dioxide emissions in 2030 which means they're going to peak in coal consumption by 2020 and and perhaps Years sooner
1: than that. Well, which is- well that's what a point that I I wanted to make because you had you know referenced the Republicans and and, and uh people who are against climate action for so long saying, well, it doesn't matter what we do here in the US because China and Russia aren't gonna do anything. We need to make clear here that China and Russia Uh, are part of these climate talks coming up in Paris and that they have both, as I understand it, they have both made uh, real commitments to curb their uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So that argument is no longer any good. And yet the Republicans still seem to be making this argument anyway. And one other point I want to toss in here. This is no small thing when you say, uh, Joe Rome, that um, this is bigger than what's going on with Iran, because I want to underscore here what we're talking about with Iran is nuclear weapons and potential, you know, nuclear annihilation. If you hear the, uh, I guess the Iran alarmist talking about it, so I know you're not downplaying that. It's actually, I think, underscores how big this is, how big this issue is. That you're saying, yeah, well, n- you know, nuclear weapons going off is a problem, but annihilation of the species uh destruction of the planet is even bigger than that
0: well yeah and look i'm jewish and i i take the situation very very seriously Mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day that that is an agreement between parties whose goal is to slow uh and stop the iranians getting you know A nuclear capability. Whether or not they would ever use that, who knows? Some people think they can be deterred. The way you know, we hated the the Soviet Union for a long time. They never dropped a single bomb on us. They hated us as much uh, as as any country ever has. So you know, it's a very important deal. But I think you can state with much more likelihood that if the world, you know, that this is Mm -hmm. the one of the last best chances that the entire world has to address this existential issue. And by the way, an existential issue for the state of Israel, because if one looks at what sea level rise and, and dust bollification and ocean acidification and the rise in temperatures is going to do to Israel, anybody who cares about the state of Israel, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or frankly, humanity at all, <laughs> uh, is going to want to support uh, climate action, and as you've said, we, we've had now countries representing the majority of of the emissions in the world make pledges. We have made a pledge. Russia has made a pledge. China has made a pledge, and the European Union has made a, a very serious pledge. And and Mexico has made a pledge. And I I think that that you're going to obviously we we have many months up till the December Paris conference. Before other countries, you know, other opportunities for other countries to make pledges, I assume that most responsible countries will. Obviously, we are the richest country in the world. And even though China now uh, produces more carbon pollution than we do, if you look at cumulative mm-hmm. emissions, which is what are in the atmosphere and warming up the climate, we are by far the leader. And, and it would certainly be difficult to, to get a global deal if people thought the United States was was a either not going to do something or you know that that it wasn't going to meet its pledge, mm-hmm. and so um, yeah. this, what McConnell is trying to do, McConnell, uh, you know, uh, uh, as you note, he has been trying to he's been urging states not to obey the law um, and to refuse to to. To come up with a plan to to reduce carbon pollution, according to the new EPA standards, mm-hmm. it, it should be a really terrible thing all by itself that McConnell is is trying to to stand in the way of the u s reducing its own pollution and trying to improve public health and and but to be explicit that what his real goal is is to stop global climate action, you know i, I, I as i said i there 's no question that the climate inaction w- would be uh the great immoral thing of our generation to do mm-hmm. um, and I discuss in the article some reasons for that, but one of the main reasons is it 's irreversible you know when we when we ask what kind of harm is is immoral, you know if I do some damage that can be fixed, then you know it's it 's typically you know that 's a matter of money and, mm-hmm. and Obviously, it can be illegal and a crime, but it's not permanent. But, you know, if I cause permanent damage, then that's a whole scale of different damage. And particularly if I'm causing permanent damage to totally innocent people you know billions of whom haven't even been born yet and bear no responsibility for it at all well there's
1: uh, sort of two uh different tracks that come to mind Joe when you're talking about this uh one just the, the the political issue as far as yeah it's one thing to oppose domestic policy it's another thing it seems to me in any event to undermine international uh, uh diplomacy interna- international negotiations as you know you mentioned uh, the Soviet Union I don't think Think that we, you know, we ever had the same kind of undermining of presidents who were dealing in, you know, sensitive negotiations with a foreign country like that? Even when it was Soviet Union, even when uh, nuclear war uh, hung in the balance, uh, we were generally uh, together on foreign policy issues. So. There's sort of the political side, and I wonder, have we ever seen anything like this? What happened first with the Iran letter and now what's happening here? And then, of course, the moral issue that you raise and you suggest that, uh, you know, environmentalists may be looking at something uh, akin to what the LGBT community was, uh, was doing when they were fighting, and they still are, you know, fighting for marriage equality uh, and, and against that discriminatory law in Indiana. But one more point I wanted to make, since you had mentioned Israel, a lot of the instability going on right now in the Middle East comes directly from global warming and from the droughts in that area in Syria uh, that led to this uh, ongoing war in Syria and the rise of ISIS. Am am I right about that?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you you may know I'm was chief science advisor for season one of the Years of Living Dangerously TV series, which, by the way, is available on Netflix now. Smartly Um,
1: done, an excellent series, yes.
0: Well, episode one, you know, uh, begins with uh, Tom Friedman, the New York Times columnist and East expert, uh, actually going to uh, Syria Mm -hmm. to find out for himself if this issue of, the fact that prior to the Syrian uh, civil war was the worst four-year drought in the history uh, of the region, you know, going back to the Fertile Crescent times. Mm -hmm. And it clearly is. And there was a recent scientific paper that came out uh, to that effect. But if you go and talk to the people who were fighting, they would tell you, you know, we were all farmers. And then there was this horrible drought, and we lost our farms. And and, and then we, you know, went to the cities, and the government didn't do anything for us. So it's, again, the, not saying that the drought was the sole cause, but it was one of the incipient causes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, you're absolutely right. We are, you know, the, the world's climate scientists said this year that unrestricted carbon pollution, if we keep doing nothing like the Mitch McConnells of the world want, then we are going to create more and more global hotspots. Uh, connected to regions that where people can't grow their own food or they don't get their own water, because obviously people have been fighting over water and uh, a lack of food for for thousands of years.
1: Which so, underscores the fact that this is not just a, a moral issue, as as you describe. It's a security issue, and yet Republicans don't even seem to be uh, responding to uh, this on a security level, even that they don't seem to care about. It seems that the uh, fossil fuel interests, uh, the oil interests, just outweigh everything. So, is is there any evidence, even Joe Rome, that folks on the right might respond to this, uh, to the moral issue uh, that you raise at this point?
0: Well, I think uh, a few points. First of all, there's clearly a difference between uh... what goes on inside the washington dc beltway where i live and the broader country uh... the the where i live
1: where i live joe
0: i mean if you (laughs) if you where everyone else lives and and more rational people uh... who who aren't bought and paid for live there's no question even most republicans favor an international climate treaty i mean frankly who could possibly be opposed to that and there are many Republican politicians around uh, the country who, who have been outspoken on climate change, and, and uh, you know, Governor Schwarzenegger in California mm-hmm. uh, well, has been a leader and continues to be a leader there. It's, it's really, but, you know, the Koch brothers and the fossil fuel interests have been able to enforce a certain amount of discipline at the, at the level of national politics, and obviously they're starting to try to wield their muscle at the state level. Uh, you know, and that was ultimately why I wrote that post, because... The fight uh, to save the EPA standards and therefore save any climate negotiations is the next, uh, you know, big fight for the climate movement. And that means, you know, uh, state by state, uh, people it has to be put in front of people that, that you can either be for, you know, carbon, the big polluters, uh, the Koch brothers, and no global action on this grave threat.
1: Well, I you know, I don't think they're going to respond, frankly, to the moral issue, in my own opinion. However, I do think that it is akin to marriage equality in that uh, they can fight it all they want. But I think uh, you know, as you suggest, the people out there who aren't in the beltway, uh, they're seeing what's going on, the local leaders, they're seeing what's going on. and I think the facts are the facts. Uh, you know, what's right is to take action, it seems to me. And I think as in the the marriage equality issue, that's going to move forward whether these politicians understand it or not. At least that's what I'm I'm hoping, and I'm hoping it's soon enough because as you write in your uh, in your piece, This is dire. Uh, You know, this looks really bad. Even if we come up with a climate treaty in Paris this year, uh, there's questions about, you know, if that is going to be anywhere near enough to take care of the problem that we're looking at over the next, uh, uh, you know, several decades and centuries, certainly. Uh, Joe, I got just a few minutes left. Can I hit you with a couple of quick questions about uh, some related issues around the world? Sure. Okay. Um, Shell oil is uh... heading back to the arctic after their comedy of errors back in uh... in twenty twelve when their uh, rigs were running aground and everything else a lot of people have been critical of uh... president obama on this because they say oh he could have refused to give them Uh, permission to give them a license, I guess, or whatever it is, the process uh, to go up there and do that and uh, risk disaster in the Arctic. Uh, You worked in uh, the Clinton administration. Does the president actually have the ability to say, no, we don't want Shell to go up there and do this, or we don't want anybody to go up there and do this? Does he have the, the legal means to keep that from happening? And should he have done that?
0: Uh, well, it is, a, you know, it is a great question I, in my My view is that he has a lot of ability to slow and stop things and and particularly things like drilling in the Arctic that are so transparently a bad idea from a, a environmental and public health point of view. I mean we are approaching the fifth anniversary of the BP oil spill and Uh, Needless to say, uh, that was a catastrophe that everybody thought, quote-unquote, couldn't happen uh, or was extremely unlikely, Mm -hmm. and that occurred in a place where you can get response, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of people and helicopters and all sorts of other things very quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, we have... Uh, and, and Shell would admit this. Everyone who's ever who's looked at the situation knows that we don't even. The Coast Guard has made very clear it has no idea how it would respond uh, to a uh, a, sp- uh, a spill or a, or a uh, some sort of continuous leak uh... In, in the Arctic because obviously, a the conditions are brutal, particularly as you head into the fall and winter up there, which lasts a very long time. And B, there aren't a lot of people to begin with.
1: But does the president have the right, does he have the legal authority to say, no, Shell, you cannot go do this? Is that up to him? Is that up to the uh, administration? Is that an executive decision?
0: I think it's within the bounds of all of his executive authority uh, to, to declare that it's just not safe.
1: So people are within their right to uh, criticize Obama, that if he's serious about uh, the environment, that he could have said no. I mean, right now we've got, I think, Greenpeace. uh, They're latching on, literally latching on to this uh, rig up there in the Arctic as as it's heading up there, uh, trying to stop them or bring attention to the issue. President Obama could have taken action and said, no, we're not going to allow that to happen.
0: I believe so. I, you should definitely get in uh, someone who is an expert uh, uh, on the laws. But I don't think there's any question that, uh, you know, the president has been a bit uh, schizophrenic on being pro-oil uh, drilling and pro-fracking. Uh, at the same time, he has you know, shown clear leadership, uh, particularly in the last year or so, uh, year or two, on climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you and I both know we have to leave most uh, fossil fuels in the ground. And when you look at what constitutes that body of most fossil fuels, it includes pretty much all unconventional oil. So, you know, the, the notion that, w- that, that we should spend extravagant sums of money to drill in the most obscure areas to get incredibly expensive oil that that is only going to contribute to our own, you know, destruction of a livable climate. It's, it is crazy. Quite separate from the fact that we have no idea what to do when the spill happens, because it's obvious. I mean, as you said, last the whole last year with Shell is a comedy of errors, but it's it it will become a tragedy of errors like the BP uh, mm-hmm. spill. Um, if 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 they're allowed to continue,
1: uh, right? And when that disaster happens, uh, Joe Rome, always great catching up with you, my friend. Uh, we need to do it more often. Joe Rome is, of course, uh, the editor of ClimateProgress dot org. He is also the uh, science advisor for Years of Living Dangerously uh, season one. Will there be a season two, Joe Rome? That you know I of? I
0: can confirm that there we are. We, there will be a season two. It will be. Uh, uh, uh on a a network a cable network that that uh, has a far greater reach, we can't announce that you know who it is and what the exact air date is yet, but we are shooting for twenty sixteen and uh, uh I think it will be even better than season one
1: very nice, glad to hear that don't know if that's uh making news or not, but I hope it is if you haven't seen it yet, check out years of living dangerously. Uh, also, Joe Rome is the author of the books Hell and High Water, Global Warming, the Solution and the Politics and What We Should Do, and the excellent Language Intelligence Lessons on Persuasion from Jesus, Shakespeare, Lincoln, and Lady Gaga. Joe Rome, thank you, my friend. Always great to talk to you.
0: Thanks for having me. Try to see it my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? While you see it
1: the risk of that our love yeah, we'll, we'll work it out one way or another. Much more broadcast straight ahead. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're coming back with a uh, new Republican anti-voting scheme in Ohio. Jeb Bush having committed a felony, and much more, including Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. Stay tuned. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Welcome back. This is your Bradcast. I am the titularly named Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Thanks for staying with us. Um, We're going to have Desi Doyne joining us momentarily for the latest Green News Report. But a lot of news going on this week, including a story that we had covered. Oh, by the way, you can tweet me at any time. I am the Bradblog. If you'd like to let your opinions be known, if you'd like to give me the old what for, I'm always glad to hear from you. Okay, a story that we covered a couple of weeks ago as this was moving through the Ohio legislature. Republicans in the Buckeye State had passed, uh, had attached a provision to the uh, what's it called? The transportation bill here that would have required anybody who registers to vote. To. Within 30 days, register their car in Ohio and get a new driver's license in Ohio. Now, this worried a lot of voting advocates for good reason, uh, because there were concerned about uh, some 115,000 out-of-state students who go to school in Ohio who would be disinclined to register to vote in Ohio because of this this new law, this new provision. Because, you know, if they go ahead and they register to vote, then they also have to get a driver's license in the state of Ohio. And they have to register their car in the state of Ohio, all of which can cost $75 or more. So uh, voting rights advocates are referring to this as a covert poll tax that was uh, snuck into the transportation bill. And, of course, the Supreme Court decided long ago, I think it was back in 1979, that if you are going to school in a different state... Uh, You have the right to vote there. So, you know, if you're from out of state, if you're from Missouri, Kentucky, wherever you go to school in Ohio, you want to register to vote there during the presidential election coming up in that swing state, you have every right to do so while you're going to school there. And you shouldn't have to also move your driver's license, register your car. Nonetheless, it's Republicans. It's Ohio. It's Ohio so they're doing everything they can of course so they this gets included in the transportation bill that's the bad news the good news is Republican Governor John Kasich has line item vetoed this provision uh he actually did the right thing as Zach Roth reports on the vetoed provision at MSNBC responding to pressure from voting rights advocates Kasich bucked his party by vetoing language in a transportation bill that would have required out-of-state students who register to vote in Ohio to get a state driver's license and vehicle registration. The administrative hurdles, not to mention the $75 or more needed to get the documents, would have dissuaded many of the state's more than 115,000 out-of-state students from registering and voting in Ohio, as is their right. Students are disproportionately Democratic- But snowbirds, members of the military, and others also could have been affected. Quote, thanks to the work of my Democratic colleagues, the governor, voting advocates, and students around this state, cooler heads have prevailed, and the controversial restrictions that would have made it harder for students to vote has been removed from this bill, said State Rep. Alicia Reese, the top Democrat on the Transportation Committee and a leading Ohio voting rights advocate. So that's good news, but I and and voting rights advocates in Ohio seem to be uh, feeling good about this and that and and giving uh, plaudits to Kasich for doing the right thing in this case. Uh, I'm a little more concerned, however. There is still a provision that he didn't veto in the law that would require residents to register their car. Uh, get a new driver's license within 30 days of declaring their residency. So now we get a little bit uh, confusing here because the administrative, the Ohio Administrative Code says one thing, and the law says another. Basically, the Ohio Administrative Code says that uh, if if you that when you register to vote, you are declaring your residency, and now they've added this provision that says if you are a resident you have 30 days in which to register your car and get your driver's license, or else risk losing both. Um, So the question now becomes, when you go to register to vote, are you declaring yourself a resident? In fact, all that uh, currently the law says is that you must be, uh, to register to vote, you must be a resident of Ohio for at least 30 days prior to the election. But it's a different type of residency than what the Republicans seem to be talking about here. And some of them seem ready to push this case. I know you're shocked. Republicans are going to push this uh, voter suppression issue. Uh, John Fortney, a spokesman for the Senate GOP, said, quote, residency is residency. And although the veto removed it from the statute, the Ohio Administrative Code considers that that to be a trigger for residency. Registering to vote. Considers that a trigger for residency and therefore covers driver's license rules as enforced by the Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles. Mike Brickner, a senior policy director for the ACLU of Ohio, said, quote, traditionally, residency for voter registration and other purposes like driving have been very different And, he says, this veto maintains that distinction. But because of the confusion, the Ohio Democratic Party has now asked for a clarification of where the law stands. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if, uh, in fact, Republicans decide to start pressing this. Republican Secretary of State John Husted has said that, there will be no changes, that he will, you know, con- uh, continue enforcing the law as he has in previous years and previous elections. But, you know, a lot can happen in the heat of, uh, in the partisan heat of a presidential election, particularly in Ohio. So I'm a little bit worried about that. We'll keep our eyes on it. Had some commentary on this at Facebook uh, after I posted about it at bradblog.com. Tom Schaefer says, as an Ohioan and progressive, I can tell you that Kasich loves to play the role of closet tea partier. He doesn't embrace the Koch philosophy of governance the way that Scott Walker does, so he appears less intent to burn unions to the ground or hand over the state EPA to the polluting business. That said, says Tom Schaefer, he has still cut funding to public schools while directing state funds uh, to for-profit charters. He's cut funding for women's health and continues to crow that tax cuts to businesses are fueling Ohio's economic expansion when, in fact, they are not. Carl Howard also responds on the Facebook and says, We here in Ohio who are not addicted to the Fox News Kool-Aid wisely remain at all times suspicious of Kasich and his motives because we know his history. The job loss reverse reversal, which had begun under his predecessor, the corporatist Ted Strickland, Democrat, has been ended under Kasich, who protects corporate cheats and nepotism under the so-called Jobs Ohio program, who protects his out-of-control Attorney General Mike DeWine and his out-of-control Secretary of State John Husted in their respective wars on reproductive and LGBTQ rights and voter rights. He has essentially terminated exploration and investment in sustainable alternative energy programs at the behest of the fossil fuel extractors, whom he also protects, and who has waged obliteration campaigns on public schools and on organized labor. We know here that when Kasich appears to be doing something right, it only means that he's regrouping. Keep that in mind as we move forward. One more comment from Facebook. Lily Golgano says... That John Kasich got a pass on this one. It's not a clean win for voter rights. We'll see. I think she might be uh, correct. Uh, speaking of getting a pass, here's a bit of a crazy story. Uh, Florida Democrats <laughs> say that Jeb Bush, Jeb Bush, may have committed a felony. That's right. Former Florida governor and likely presidential candidate Jeb Bush may have committed a felony according to The Hill, when he falsely identified himself as Hispanic on his 2009 voter registration application. Uh, This is amazing. The Florida Democratic Party uh, is concerned about a portion of the current voter registration form that warns potential registrants that they must be truthful while filling out the form. It is a third-degree felony to submit false information, the form reads. Maximum penalties are 5,000 and or five years in prison. And, oh, yes, I know that Florida Democratic registration form well because longtime Brad blog readers and Bradcast listeners will recall that Ann Coulter, the once GOP superstar, now fading uh, Fox News favorite, Uh, Absolutely lied, absolutely committed voter fraud, at least voter registration fraud on her Florida registration form when she uh, gave a completely different address, a completely incorrect address where she did not live in the state of Florida. She actually gave the address of her realtor's house for some bizarre reasons that I won't go back into at this moment. Uh, But uh, she got a pass. Uh, Her old boyfriend on the FBI helped her out, got her off the hook. She ended up running out the clock. But let me just say, without question, and you can check the documents. We got them all at bradblog.com. She lied on her voter registration form in the state of Florida, and then she knowingly voted at the wrong precinct. She then knowingly voted at a precinct where she did not live. And she got a pass. And it appears she also committed voter registration prior to that in the state of Connecticut. But I won't go into that now because this is all about Jeb Bush and what he did on his voter registration form. Back to The Hill here. They say the law in question is slightly more specific, saying that a person violates the law if they willfully make a false statement on their voter registration form. But on Monday morning, The New York Times reported that Bush, Jeb Bush, had marked his race, ethnicity, as Hispanic on the 2009 application to register to vote. Though it might be a touchy subject because Bush will likely try to appeal to Hispanic voters if he seeks the nomination, his team cast it as unintentional. It's unclear where the paperwork error was made, said Bush spokesman Christy Campbell in a statement. What do you mean it's unclear where it was made? It's a voter registration form. Uh, you have to fill it out yourself. Jeb Bush would have filled it out himself. Where did he make the paperwork error? He made it when he filled out the voter registration form. Anyway, the spokeswoman says that the governor's family certainly got a good laugh out of it. He is not Hispanic. <laughs> That's what the spokesman said. Uh, <clears throat> very bizarre. Very bizarre. He, I don't know. He, he's got. Uh, does does he? His his kids are are Hispanic, right? His his wife is Hispanic. Is that what it's? What yeah, the story yeah. Is? He
2: met. Uh, he married. Uh, I guess you would say a Hispanic or Latino woman. And his children, you know, I think are both uh, bilingual. And what's funny to me is that this is essentially it's okay if you're a Republican. Well, anybody else would probably be prosecuted for voter registration uh, but, but, fraud and put in jail. That's what the Bush administration did to people.
1: But. A, it has to be done willfully, and B, wh- what's the point? I mean, it, it obviously he what, was he trying to pass himself. It had to be an accident, right?
2: Well, you'd think, but no, actually, I think that there are cases that you have reported on in the past where just because you made an honest, innocent mistake, still can get you deported. Oh yeah, it?
1: oh yeah, that's for sure. There there were during the Bush administration. You're right. There were people who were not citizens who accidentally filled out forms when they went to get a a driver's license or they're at the DMV. They accidentally filled out a voter registration form. They never voted. And yet they were deported. And we're talking about people who had lived in this country who had American uh, spouses, people who lived in this country for 10 years who had children. They were deported. Uh, their children uh, had to go with them. The wife and children, you know, would go with them and live in a country that they never knew, that they were never born in. Uh, so yeah, you're right. They didn't give a pass to uh, to those know, people. To, so. to those people, but you know, but those people were immigrants, Desi. They were actual Hispanics as opposed to Jeb Bush Hispanics. Remember when the George uh, Bush's fo- George Bush Senior, uh, referred to his grandchildren as the... The little brown ones. The little brown ones. That's
2: what he said. Yeah. I don't think he says that anymore.
1: So I guess mean he means his actual son is now apparently one of the little brown ones.
2: Yes, uh, Jeb uh, Bush, yeah. uh, I think it's George P. Bush. He is now Texas Land Commissioner. He won his yes. first statewide election yes. in November. Yes. And that's a pretty powerful position, actually. Rick Perry held that before he was elected governor.
1: We can look forward to the, let's see, 2034 race between <laughs> Jeb Bush Bush and Chelsea Clinton,
2: maybe even sooner if you're lucky.
1: Yeah. Okay. uh, before we get to the Green News, stand by uh, soon for the Green News. A couple of uh, very quick items here. Uh, Where am I here? Oh, yeah. Gavin Newsom. Uh, This is great. And we got to get Gavin on the on the show, the lieutenant governor of California. Uh, he is the one back. You'll recall back in 2004, after he became the mayor of San Francisco, he said, you know what? I've read the law. I've read the constitution and I find no reason to keep, uh, gay people from getting married. And I'm going to issue licenses to uh, same sex couples. And he did back in 2004, everybody freaked out, including Democrats who freaked out. Uh, many of them blamed him, I think, totally inappropriately uh, for t- for the two 2000- thousand for losing for the Democrats losing the two thousand and four election. There was all kinds of other reasons that they either lost that election or reported to have lost that election. Yes, I'm talking to you, Ohio. Uh, in any event, he did the right thing back then. It wasn't popular, and I think we have learned since that yes, marriage equality is the right thing. And I don't think uh, Gavin Newsom ever got. The proper credit for that, uh, for having done the right thing back then. Well, it seems to me he's doing the right thing now down here in California. He is one of the top elected officials, obviously, in the state as lieutenant governor. He's serving two terms. He's going to be running. He has already announced he's going to be running for governor in 2018. And he said that if an expected 2016 ballot measure to legalize, regulate and tax marijuana Includes safeguards that he views as critical. Gavin Newsom will endorse it and effectively be the first uh, public face for the effort in the state of California. Now, uh, great idea, because this is a ridiculous uh, war on drugs that should be over long ago, especially when it comes to pot. But... uh, We don't have a lot of elected officials. I have long said that the first part, whether it's Republicans or Democrats who come out in favor of marijuana, uh, they're going to get a generation of voters. You know, the Republican Party is dying. They're in big trouble. There is nobody who votes Republican who is not younger than 50 uh, years old. I think that's a rule now. It's a mandate. You can't vote for Republican if you're younger than 50. Well, if they want to reach young people, you know what? Come on out. For marijuana, not just medical marijuana. Come on out for recreational marijuana. Uh, Rand Paul kind of gets this. Um, We'll see how far he goes here. It's really smart if you do it anyway. Republicans or Democrats, whichever party does it first wins. Because a new poll here shows that uh, in California of likely voters. Fifty five percent now believe that uh, marijuana should be legal. 55% 55% of likely voters and 53% of everyone surveyed. So this is popular among Democrats, 63 to 38. Uh, I'm sorry, 63 to 36. Among independents, 57 to 38. And, well, the Republicans are still lagging behind. Uh, only 44% of Republicans approve legalized marijuana. And 54% are against it. Anyway... Good for Gavin Newsom. Uh, Get that. uh, uh, What do they call that? Profile and Courage Award ready for him. He deserves that. Um, All right. One more here before we get to the Green News Report. Where is it? Uh, A letter to the editor. Cowards and bullies. An enlightening little quiz is uh, posted by Justin Miller in the Louisville Courier Journal. And as you can play along here, too. Uh, Here is an enlightening quiz. Guess the source of these quotations. Quote. Congress should authorize separate federal matching funds of state and local expenditures for the medical care needed by public assistance recipients. Who said it? I don't know. You're wrong. It was Republican Dwight Eisenhower. Okay, number two. Who said, to guarantee adequate financing of health care on a nationwide basis, we need a comprehensive health insurance plan to offer every American the same broad and balanced health protection? FDR? FDR? Wrong. That would be Republican Richard Nixon. So uh, both Dwight Eisenhower and Richard Nixon says Justin Miller uh, would be called socialist and drummed out of the GOP today. He goes on to say, today we have only moderate Republicans whom we now call Democrats and the Tea Party. Or, as I prefer to call them, the cowards and the bullies. I like that. Well done, Justin Miller of Glenview, Kentucky. Let's do some green news. Okay, melting for you, Desi Doyen, and what? Me running late? Me running behind? (laughs) As usual. I think we have to get right to it, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we should. Because we're late. Yes. All right, here we go. Our latest Green News report. We should not be
2: aligned with such people. They're just just literally lying. Right-wing corporate activist group now pretending it never denied global warming. Kansas moves to restrict fracking after stunning increase in earthquakes. Big oil pressured Oklahoma to stop linking fracking and earthquakes. Texas moves to ban fracking bans. Plus,
1: the solar industry is actually adding jobs 10 times faster than the rest of the economy.
2: Obama moves to train veterans for solar power jobs.
1: All of that moving and fracking straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comments. You know, when it
2: comes to you know climate change being real the problem is al gore's turned this thing into a religion
1: oh so now you're blaming it all on al gore is that right senator lindsey graham sounds like a very inconvenient lie to me this is your green news report Okay, Desi Doyen, after a comedy of errors up in the uh, Arctic about two years ago, I think summer of 2012, when Shell Oil was trying to get an oil rig up to the Arctic to drill for oil up there, which because it's now unfrozen thanks to global warming, uh, they ran aground. It was just a disaster. They then took two summers off, but now they're back at it again. And so now the war in the Arctic Is back on, it seems.
2: Yes, yes, it is. The Obama administration has approved for Shell to go back to the Arctic and drill for oil. But now, as we go to air, six Greenpeace activists have climbed aboard one of those Shell oil rigs in the Pacific Ocean. It's on its way to the Arctic. They're trying to alert the public that Shell is again heading up to drill in the fragile extremes of the Arctic Ocean.
1: Yes, alerting the public. Accomplished. Well done, Greenpeace. We'll be watching that situation closely and if Shell can keep its rigs from running aground as it did last time they tried this.
2: Yeah, it's pretty dangerous up there.
1: Yeah, dangerous and risks an extraordinary amount of wildlife if things go bad. Anyway, what else do you have for us today?
2: Well, the American Legislative Exchange Council, the right-wing policy organization known as ALEC for short, is now threatening legal action against big environmental groups like Common Cause and the League of Conservation Voters for saying that ALEC denies climate change.
1: But they do deny climate change.
2: I know! Attorneys for ALEC are threatening legal action if the organizations don't remove any material suggesting that ALEC doesn't believe in global warming. This despite the fact that model legislation is still on Alex's website telling state legislatures that the science is uncertain on human-caused climate change and that climate change could be beneficial.
1: So is the distinction they're trying to draw here that, oh, we believe in climate change but man has nothing to do with it. Is that the
2: distinction they're trying to draw in the middle of their lie? That does seem to be the way that they're going to play this. Good luck with that, Alec. In fracking news, in Kansas, state oil and gas regulators have moved to sharply restrict the fracking industry's use of wastewater injection wells to dispose of toxic fracking fluid after a stunning increase in earthquakes. Kansas saw four times more earthquakes in one year than it had in the previous 20 years combined. State regul- cited, quote, an immediate danger to public safety in severely restricting the use of injection wells. But it's the opposite situation for residents of Oklahoma, which has now surpassed California as the earthquake capital of the U.S.
1: That's amazing to me. Can you just repeat that?
2: Oklahoma has surpassed California as the earthquake capital of the U.S. Unbelievable. Because of fracking. Emails obtained in public records requests by Bloomberg News show that scientists with the Oklahoma Geological survey backed off or declined to link fracking to earthquakes in their studies after frequent meetings with powerful oil ceos and state politicians
1: so the oil and fracking companies came in and said hey don't tie this to earthquakes even though it it's tied to earthquakes
2: that's pretty much what happened yes
1: and the state of oklahoma did it yes they did unbelievable
2: Meanwhile, in Texas, state lawmakers are moving quickly to ban cities and towns from banning fracking within their borders. After voters in Denton, North Texas, voted to ban fracking within city limits in last year's election... Texas Republican lawmakers are now fast-tracking a bill to preempt local control that seeks to exercise some control over fracking operations.
1: Will that affect Denton, Texas, who has already passed a ban?
2: Yes, it looks like it will.
1: They'll be able to retroactively unban it.
2: That's what it looks like. Finally, some good news.
1: I'm announcing a new goal to train 75,000 workers to enter the solar industry by 2020.
2: On Friday, President Obama launched a new jobs training program with new funding to help train U.S. veterans for jobs in solar. It's
1: going to train uh, transitioning military personnel for careers in this growing industry. There's an idea. The folks who have been putting their life on the line for oil put them instead up on a roof safely installing solar. I like it.
2: Yep. No earthquakes necessary.
1: For much more on that story and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and follow us on the Facebook and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman.
2: And I'm Desi Doyen.
1: And this has been your Green News Report.
2: You just have to.
1: Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, smartly done. We're going to be back with you, same Brad time, same Brad channel next week. Until then, my thanks to Desi and my thanks to Joe Rome of climateprogress.org. If you missed any portion of our program, please stop by bradblog.com where you can download the whole thing or you can download it at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and just about everywhere else. We'll see you next week. Until then, you can find me on the Twitters at TheBradBlog and, of course, at BradBlog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.